Good morning. Welcome to Garden Talk on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. I'm Jay Thomas. Glad to be back in the chair with you. And, of course, with me, like always, Jill and Rick Van Dyvendijk. Hi, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Ooh, here we go. It's uh, We're making our way into, what, July? This is crazy already. Wow. It's, it's like the second week of July going into just after the long weekend. And this is when we start seeing things start happening in the garden. Things are blooming, uh, fruits starting to set on some of your vegetables. Tomatoes on our tomato plants. Tomatoes, lettuce. I've already harvested a bunch of lettuce in my garden. Um, So yeah, there's just so much happening now. Our cabbages are getting pretty big. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. You put some ornamental cabbage in your your pots in the front of your house and they they look look so beautiful. And I think because you planted them a little bit later, the the cabbage moth hasn't got on them. So but that they're really pretty. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to start with a question. I know we'll, we'll get people on soon. one 332 8255 You can call us or text us. My question is, so I've got like a whole bunch of little, I don't know which, which variety it is. We were given a tomato plant. Mm-hmm. It's getting pretty big. Uh, there's lots of tomatoes on it, but none of them have changed color. They've been on there for a while. They're, they're little tiny. Like a cherry tomato. Cherry tomatoes. Yeah. Of okay. some kind. Yeah. But well, how long does it take for them to turn ripe? Well, it will take just depending on what type of tomato it is. Some of them take a little bit longer than others, but uh, the amount of sunlight, water, those types of things. When the tomato is in the fruiting stage, it's really important that you have consistent watering right now is the most, most important thing. So make sure that you're not allowing your soil to dry out, um, but not keeping it sopping wet because then you'll start getting rot. And right now is when you want to be fertilizing with those fertilizers mm-hmm. with extra calcium. Those types of things will help prevent that blossom end rot as well. well too. Just keeping them healthy for helping their immunity, basically, right? Right. So, but yeah. they are going to turn for okay. sure. So it don't... just seems like they've been on there for a long time, and it's like, okay, come on, like, let's go. I want to eat some of these tomatoes. <laughs> There's to... like four or five dozen tomatoes hanging off this little oh. plant, and they're they're all still little green hard rocks. You just can't go out there every couple hours and looking, G. Wow, I know. <laughs> it's <laughs> it, like it those is... people who say it's been seven weeks and it's only been like four hours. Yeah. He just goes yeah. out there all the time and looks. <laughs> it is tough keeping it watered. That plant uses a lot of water. Yeah. It's on our deck and it's south facing, and, and it's so in a pot. Probably, it's in too. a pot. Yeah, yeah, it's in a big pot, like I don't know, twelve yep. inches, fourteen yeah. inches. Yeah, but like the that. heat hits the side of that pot and it warms. Oh, you put your hand yeah. on the side of that pot; it's warm. And Jay, remember, you are watering frequently, so the more you're watering, the more you have to increase your fertilizing too so Mm because that water is just leaching all the nutrients through that soil over and over again so right now whereas before you might have been fertilizing like once a week once every two weeks you can even up that right now if you're watering a lot on these hot weeks to twice a week if you want i think we fertilize every day okay like it's like every time we water it just like those those schultz's drops go in oh you're using the drops. yeah so that plus i have a bunch of the slow release calcium fertilizer okay, good. in the soil. Yep. Yeah. I when we got the plant, the plant went into the pot and a whole whack of that stuff good. went into that pot in the soil with it. Okay, good. Yeah. So that's what I'm counting on that'll take care of the calcium problem or the the, you know. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that you're feeding your plant. I think that's a such a forgotten thing with plants is we plant them in some good soil and we get the best plants but we forget to feed them and then right. we find that the success is going down and can you imagine if you never ate for 3 months and you're like Hey, now produce. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. I had the conversation with somebody at work and I said, you know that like plants don't eat dirt. No. They just live in it. No, they get energy from sunlight and they get some nutrients from that, but right. they also need the nutrients that comes from the soil that can be absorbed yep. through their exactly. roots. Exactly. So. so, and then when they said, when I said that, they went, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. I got to fertilize it. Yeah. They don't mm-hmm. eat the dirt. And, and even if you just add all the microbes into it, you know, like mm-hmm. humic and on, on compost and those kind of things, it gives you all the natural type of little, you get all the little natural funguses and bugs and mm-hmm. enzymes, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff that start feeding the plant. And, uh, and that's, it just basically, they culture on the roots and they just grab that, what's in the dirt. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yes, that's and, right. And, and give it to the plant. Yes, that's right. Exactly. Let's go to our text line. one 332 8255 Margaret in Regina says, on my east-facing balcony, I've got a cucumber plant growing up and over the balcony, so it must be doing well. There's lots of flowers, no cucumbers. I pollinate often, so I don't know what she means by that, but she must be Q-tipping, hopefully. Yeah, so you have male and female flowers generally on your cucumber plant. Usually you can tell on the different ones because they will, um, the females will have the fruit starting to form underneath the flower. Okay. And so you take the other flowers off and you kind of rub the, the center stem into the other flower. Okay, all right. And that's how you would pollinate them. 
She says, also, my tomatoes have fruit, but no flowers. What can I do? So that's like, that's the sort of the same idea, right? They have fruit, but no flowers? Sorry, they have, they have fruit, but no, my tomatoes. Well, that's what, that's what she wrote. My yep. tomatoes have fruit, but no flowers. Okay, okay. well, then it, the, the flowers have already turned into fruit for her on there. So maybe if she's looking for more flowers, Could be. Um, you can do a little bit of pinning it. Pinching and pruning as well too to get your tomatoes to produce more as okay. well. Okay, okay, that'll that'll help that. Okay. Yeah, depending on if your t- tomato is a determinate variety or an indeterminate variety, so you have to know that when you're planting your tomato. A determinate variety is a variety that stays a little bit shorter, will continue to reproduce all summer long, um, and then an indeterminate variety is a variety that just keeps growing up and up and up like a vine, and you do have to do pinching and pruning on that so that the energy can go into the and top. One to thing make I think she said something at the very beginning. She said facing east. Mm-hmm. Okay, so east is, you know, yeah, it'd be nice if it would be better as what, you know, south facing or south or west. Because Easter just get in the morning sun. Well, but right? tough, tough if, if that's the way your apartment yeah. or your it, condo it, faces, it, it that's, faces, that's all you've got. Yes, right? but you might not get that continual flush of, of fruit then too, right? right? And that, they might not be producing as yeah. fast as or that's turning fast. as fast as some of the other ones because yep. they're only getting yeah. maybe that eight hours of sunlight instead of that 10 to 14. Yep. Right. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. So Margaret, good luck with that. But you can do a few of those things we talked about. Let's take uh, one call. We've got at least time for one here in Saskatoon. Brian is going to join us in the line. Good morning, Brian. Hi, how you doing? Good, good how are you? Very good. good. Uh, a couple of real quick questions for you. Number one, some of my cukes are, are growing irregular, almost in a circle. I'm wondering if it's too much moisture, not enough, not enough nutrients. Uh, what's going on there? It also depends on, on the variety you have, right? Some are very straight and some are more, more you know, I guess, horseshoe-shaped, you know? But, these are uh, supposed to be straight. Yeah, the, if they're straight, then then I would think that most likely what's happening is that you're going to watch your 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 watering more than anything. Usually, you see this when it's a lack of nutrition, yeah. or else there's a pollination issue. So maybe something's going in and pollinating only half the flower and not spending a lot of time in that flower. You'll see that sometimes you'll get an irregular shape on your cucumber, so you can see that happening, um, and then a lack of nutrition. So if you um, make sure that you're fertilizing often and then consistent watering. If you water and then there's a break in the watering, you'll see that your fruit, especially when it's starting to form, you'll start getting irregular shape on it too. One thing that you should always do, and people aren't doing this enough, I don't think, is, is companion planting. Like plant a bunch of marigolds in amongst your... Marigolds is a good thing. It'll keep some bugs... Nasturtiums work really nasturtiums, good keep some. They'll keep some bugs away, but they'll attract the pollinators. You'll get way more pollinators. You put flowers in amongst all your vegetables. And Brian, what was your second question for us? Um, I bought, bought some fertilizer off you guys, some ProMix... Uh, uh, organic, yep, and it wouldn't dissolve on me. So I asked you a couple of weeks ago if I could mix with hot water. You said as long as you don't pour it directly on the plant. Yep. So I took it. I put it about eight ounces of boiling water, stirred the heck out of it till it was thoroughly dissolved. Added it to uh, two two uh, gallon my two gallon watering can, yep. which was not really cold water. It's kind of warm because I leave it out in a forty five gallon barrel. Yep, that's fine. Yep. I got halfway through watering. And all of a sudden, my little holes are plugging up on the watering can. I look here, the stuff had turned back into uh, a granular almost. Again. Oh. So I'm thinking, well, this should almost be recalled because how am I supposed to use it? Which yep. it leads to my question. If I were to put about a half-inch hole beside the plant, poured the required amount of just dry uh, fertilizer down there, would that work? Well, not that great, though, because you're you're going to get hot spots, right? So if, if you're having that much of a problem, I'd suggest bring, bring it bring it back with your container and your receipt, and then and then because you might just got a bad bad batch of it. That's that sounds like yeah, a I didn't even know if I have my receipt or not. Yeah. But, uh, but but let's take a look at it because, um, like I said, I think you just might have got a bad batch of it. it's not dissolving yeah, that's at all. Yeah, un- that's very unusual. unusual. I don't see that very ho- yeah. very often. Not very often at all. How would stuff like the the stuff that's already liquefied work? Like uh, uh, what's that stuff called? It's fairly popular. The Schultz's uh, drops, oh, yeah. Schultz's drops or anything like that, yeah. Or a liquid organic, too. Yep, there's liquid organic as well that works really well. And yeah. they, they never get clumped up or anything like that, so yep. that's an, another way you can go. Or if, you well, do, if you're on the vegetables, you're on the vegetables, just use an alfalfa pellet tea as well. It works awesome. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks, Brian. Thanks Take for care. calling, Brian. We'll get to your text line, which is filling up quickly here, but we'll get to those in a second. Uh, we're going to go first to uh, some calls. So, Terry, hang on. We're going to get to your call about the, the lawn, which we were just talking about on the break, actually. In just a second, first, though, over to Lloyd Minster to talk to Cindy. Good morning, Cindy. Hi there. I was um, wondering 
about uh, the most fragrant plants that I can grow, and uh, because I really want a fragrant garden. This year, well, this year and last year, we took out our giant birch and our giant evergreen, so we're starting from scratch. So I guess I'm wanting to know what the most fragrant white peony is, and uh, also um, um, the most fragrant perennial rose as well. So can you give me an idea? I, I had uh, smelled, um, in the old part in Nutan, I had smelled a white uh, um, peony, but uh, it was a rental home, and so they didn't have a clue uh, as to what it was. But boy, I just want those, you know, the old-fashioned ones. Yep. The, the, Start with your rose, right? Well, the, ro- the rose, probably the most fragrant ones. Like a lot of the most favorite ones are actually a, 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 a Florabunda or tea rose, but they aren't hardy here, right? So you, that, they're the ones that are most fragrant. But otherwise, if you want ones that are that are that'll give you some fragrance, you could try the like the old hand. If you want an older rose, which is like tough as nails, is like the old Hansa rose, right? Okay. Or right. another one is called pavement rose. Uh, sometimes you can find those ones around, like purple pavement or pink pavement. Uh, another one would be because um, you know I find that the 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 Explorer series and Parkland series they're beautiful they bloom like crazy even like things like Campfire Rose, uh, Emily Carr uh, they all bloom like crazy and they're beautiful but they you're not going to smell them walking by them right you can smell them when you when you put your nose up to them you can smell them really nice but it's not something that's going to attract your your attention you know right. even ones that uh, like the old Teresa Bugney. Um, uh, that one there, it's a pink flower, but the plant grows about six feet tall almost. Uh, that one is fairly fragrant because I remember as a kid walking down our, they lied there as a hedge down our driveway and, uh, and used to be very fragrant because there's just so many flowers. It was incredible. And another flower that's white that kind of looks like an old fashioned rose. If you're, if you're wanting something that's very fragrant is a mock orange too. Well, yeah, if you want white, mock orange is a great one. Lots of flowers. So fragrant. Um, your, your uh, most hardy and fragrant fragrant peony that we carry in the store is called Festiva Maxima. Um, it's got a little bit of a tiny bit of a pink tinge to the center of it, um, but that would be, I would say, your toughest, hardiest white peony as well, too. Okay. It's called Festiva Maxima. Okay, I brought that down. All right, I'll try, I'll try a couple of those. Now, my next question is my strawberries. I plant strawberries for my grandkids, and what it seems like is they turn out to be the size of a wild strawberry. You know how the size of your small fingernail. And um, I have had them 10 years ago. I did have the wild ones in there, and then you know, someone had told me, well, take them out, Ben, and, and uh, because otherwise you'll only get the really small. So I did that, and uh, and then I've replanted twice. So I'm not getting uh, my flowers are small, and uh, my fruit is, um, you know, I'll maybe get five strawberries out of 20 plants. Yeah, um, it would really depend on what variety you're planting is the biggest thing and a lot of different ones are those wilder varieties which have the smaller flowers and the smaller Called fruit. An ever-bearing an type. An ever-bearing type. Um, if, you, if you, like those are more like the June-bearing types actually that will we'll do that. So you can switch to like, um, I would even switch to one called Seascape um, or TriStar. Those ones will have a little bit larger berry on it, larger flower and they will produce kind of a little bit all season long. Those ones are the ones that I've been doing in the greenhouse and planted in my yard and I've had quite good success. So um, Seascape or Hector is the varieties that I would go with. Or TriStar. Okay. okay. Now do the birds eat the flowers or would a tree squirrel or chipmunks, would they eat the flowers as well? Yeah, if you have gophers and that kind of stuff, uh, chipmunks could, yes. Uh, okay. I've watched them even eat my petunias. <laughs> so. Okay, all right. Well, I've watched them eat my um, raspberries, but you know yep. that's pretty funny. <laughs> um, it's like they, their raspberry is bigger than their head. <laughs> I wasn't sure if they're going after the flowers or not, but I'll I'll change those varieties yep. and 
and uh, for next year and see what happens because it's too late now. Correct? Yeah. But just one thing, make sure you're asking questions in the garden center when you're picking your strawberry variety because there is lots of varieties that we're now growing in pots that are more annual varieties that are not going to survive the winter. So make sure you get a nice hardy variety as well. Okay. okay. All right. And one more, one more question, quick. Um, a few years ago, you used to uh, help people out uh, deciding what plants to put where. Yep. Being that we're starting from, uh, you know, um, just uh, bare dirt. Do you still offer that service? Yeah. Just, yeah. just bring a, a take a couple pictures, draw draw yeah. a little sketch on a piece of paper, and bring it into the garden center, and then we can okay. spend some time walking around the garden center and showing exactly what would go where. And, and what works too, if you take your picture and you actually print it off, then you, we could yeah. actually draw right on the picture and say, this is where you put it. And then when you got it back, you got a visual picture saying that, you know, with the plant right on your picture. Great. Okay. Great. I will do that. Okay. okay. There you go. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks a lot for the call, Cindy. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We've only got two minutes to go, so we're going to try to get this call in. Terry's been waiting patiently on the line. Hi there, Terry. Hi, good morning, guys. Good morning. So you got a question about the lawn, right? Yeah, so I, you've probably answered this before, but I think you know what I'm dealing with. I'm just wondering what to do about these huge dead patches I have on my grass. Otherwise, I have really nice grass, but I have these huge dead patches, and I've been told that they're these bugs. If it's if it's cinch bugs you have, there's two different things. There's sod webworms, okay, which is, which is I mean, we were talking about that with Jay, or he has sod webworms, little moss flying up all the time. Or cinch bugs was a little tiny little beetle, right? And uh, so they're two different things, and you you fight them with two different type of nematodes. So Terry, do you when you mow the lawn, do you see little white moths fly up in front of the lawnmower? No. Okay. Okay. All right. So that's the answer for the for the for the yeah. sod webworms. Okay. So Otherwise, if you take a look, you know you can always dig a little patch up, and you'll see these little kind of gray black beetles in there, and and it, then you have cinch bugs, and they're becoming they started bad in Prince Albert, and now they're moving south. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so cinch bugs, we now have a nematode which fights cinch bugs. It's specifically for cinch bugs. And uh, sod webworms have another uh, nematode. So there's different bugs that attack different... Other bugs. Other bugs. (laughs) That's normal, right? And so, yeah, this one for cinch bugs works really well. And so if you think you got cinch bugs, then you use the nematode and you do the same thing. You soak the lawn down first. And then you spray the nematodes on. You soak the lawn again. And then they go off to seek and destroy. Oh, no, I have okay. some brown patches in my yard, and that's still I'm battling from the snow mold that I had from the, from yep. the spring. Um, I reseeded and added a little bit more, but I need to overseed again this one more yep. time this spring. So that's what I've done. I've dug it all out, and I've put in new topsoil, and I've reseeded it. And the, the seed honestly seems like it's slow to germinate and slow to come this year, I guess, maybe because of the heat. But the heat. Uh, yep. is that only my only option, or is that just going to come back then? Yeah, it, it, that's your only options. Get rid of the bugs first, and then reseed, and make sure the seed contacts the soil. Uh, we've got Veronica, Maurice, Catherine. So, guys, just hang on. We're going to get to your calls in the order they came in from. Thanks for your patience. Waiting the longest right now is Doris, who is in Abbey, who wants to talk about petunias. Hi there, Doris. Hello. 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 I've got a problem with my petunias this year. I bought some wave petunia transplants about two and a half weeks ago and planted them, and they're just sitting there. They're not doing a darn thing. They had a couple branches on them, and they have not increased in size at all. So what's going on? There's a few things that could be going on. One thing is that they're really heavy feeders, so you want to watch that. Um, I will sometimes go through and I will just pinch the tips off on my, my petunias. The other oh, okay. thing is, is some greenhouses can use like a holding agent to hold their plants a little bit so they don't stretch in the greenhouse. Um, you may need to water them a little bit more to get them to grow out of that too. So you can just touch base with your greenhouse were regarding these, that. Were too. these in a forage pot or are they still in a smaller six pack? Well, they were in fair size. They were about four inch uh, Pots. little when things. You, when you pulled they them out, a lot of roots under them. When yeah. you pulled them out of the pots, did you ruffle the roots a little bit, or were the roots going around in circles? Well, I can't remember, but I know they had a lot of roots. Yeah, I, I'm thinking that that what happens if you that late in the season, two weeks ago, right? You might have got some that were a bit root bound. Oh, okay. And so what happens? Those there's if they're root bound, you have to make sure that when you're watering them, that because those roots have take a little bit to get out into the soil, water them right at the at the base of the of, of the center of the plant. 
Okay. Okay. So that root ball can get moisture because sometimes that root ball, because there's so many leaves, it's is like a like a shrub even. It, the leaves will suck the moisture out of that root ball, and the roots aren't out into the soil yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then they'll, they'll just sit there. So make sure when you water, water right at the right in the center of the plant, so that little root ball gets water. And then um, it's in fact if they're just sitting there, I would suggest even pull one up. Okay, take it out, and see if the roots are growing out or whether they're still in a ball. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how about fertilizer? I thought like the g- leaves were kind of a light green. Yep. And I thought, well, maybe they over fertilized them in the greenhouse. If they're a light green, it's usually an under fertilizer. Under fertilizing. So, under fertilizer. Yeah. Um. You with those ones right now, you can fertilize them up to twice a week. So they're heavy, oh. heavy feeders. If you have a twenty 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 fertilizer or an all purpose fertilizer, you can yeah. use that on those guys. Well, I've got that ultra bloom. Perfect. That would work great. So do and that. How much do you put on each one? Just follow the instructions on the package, and you can do that twice a week. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I've never had trouble with wave petunias before. They always seem to take off right away as soon as I transplanted them, but this year they're just sitting there. I think that this one might be more what Rick is saying, that they were quite root-bound and the roots might be going around in circles and having trouble spreading oh, okay. out. So Yeah, probably not, not something that you did, Doris. Probably yeah. the way the plant came. I'd just, just pull, pull one plant out and check it because it's not going to hurt them. They're just sitting there to pull it well, out and what, plant it. Can you t- clip some of the roots off? Just just tickle them. Take them and just pull them apart a little bit, okay? Oh, okay. And then plant them again and keep them moist. Yeah, well, I've been watering them twice a day because... Yep. Where we live, we haven't had any rain, so yep. mm-hmm. I water in the morning and at night. Yep. Well, it sounds like you're a pro at growing them, so like I think that well, this is a problem with the transplant, so let's get those figured out for you. Yeah. Okay, right. then. Yep. Thanks Thank for you. calling. Good luck, Doris. Take care. Yeah, bye. Bye-bye. 1-877-332-8255. We're going to go next to Catherine, who's in Saskatoon right now. We're going to talk about some hostas. Hi, Catherine. Uh, How are you? Uh, good, thank you. Uh, hi, Rick and Jill. Thank you. I have a hosta bed, and it is quite overgrown with quackgrass. Yep. How do I get rid of the quackgrass? Just digging <laughs> is 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 probably one of the parts. The other part you can do is you can take a uh, you take a uh, some Roundup, okay, and you yep. t- you put it in a container and you put it onto a sponge brush, okay, and okay. then you just you just swipe the 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 because you don't want to spray, okay. Because you're, okay. you're going to hit the you're going to hit the hostas if, if you're in a, in a big hosta bed like that. Just take a just swipe it, and okay. uh, and and swipe the the grass, and then uh, and then be be careful when you're walking. You got to work from the inside and work your way out, okay? Because if okay. you step on it, you're gonna you're gonna get it on your feet, and then you're gonna go across your grass, okay? Okay. Your, yeah. your grass or some other plants or yeah, whatever. The other way that you can do it too is you can put like um put a plastic or a latex glove on and then put a cotton glove on too yeah. on top of that and then you can dip your hand into the yeah. the roundup that it way. It shouldn't be a latex glove, it should be a chemical, chemical glove. Chemical glove. Yeah. And then you can stick yeah. your hand into the roundup and then sort of pull on those on those leaves and yeah. then that will help get rid of yeah, it. Yeah, you're too. soaking the so soaking the glove, yeah. 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 Okay. Or the sponge. Or the sponge brush works really good too. Mm-hmm. That okay. way you're not you're and not then- spraying. Yeah, so, like I wondered if I had to remove the hostas to kill it, but you say no. No, no. If you do it, just 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 um, just using the sponge brush, and you can get on top of it. We just, call it, just we remember, call it the painting method. Remember, it takes seven, five, seven days for them the grass to start turning yellow, and fourteen days for the to kill it right to the root. Okay. Okay. And you're and, gonna so it's gonna up. it's gonna take the summer of doing that repainting in different spots because you're not gonna get it all right. So yeah. it'll take the summer of just working at it. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Yep. All right. Take program. care. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye. 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 One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We're gonna go all the way to Candle Lake right now to talk to Maurice. Good morning, Maurice. Good morning, Rick and Jill. Um, I have a problem with one of your previous callers about my lawn, and it used to be a beautiful lawn. I do suspect we have deer, and I'm just wondering if it's the urine or the, yep. the droppings. There are huge patches, and, and I have an irrigation system. I, I watered it down hoping to acidify the, the yep. soil. I don't know if that's a problem, but I have spread lime, and and I've put topsoil and, and grass, 
and I can't get that darn stuff to start, so I don't know what I'm doing wrong. If, if you had a lot of deer, and my neighbor had the same thing, is where they had a lot of deer, and you, there's patches where the deer is. It wasn't the poop bedding down. It was the urine. Mm. Yeah, and it it was it's it's bad. So it's just a matter of really soaking those areas and leaching it out, right? And then and then adding you know adding even some gypsum into those areas, you know. Gyps. I have put gypsum and yep. lime both. Okay, good. So then you've been doing the right things, and then now, now just making sure that, you know, that when you when you get it growing now is that uh, put your seed down. You said you put topsoil down too, right? Yes, I have, and I've mixed it up, and and, and it's good topsoil. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I can't get the seed. I don't. Maybe it's the the seed with. Poor germination. Yeah, it could be. If, if it's just a patch, you might even want to think about putting some sod down or something, you know, to get it to yeah. fill in quicker. Yeah. You know, or otherwise try a different, try another batch of seed, you know, to get it to germinate. Rick, would that dog spot prevent work on that? Dog spot prevent works because it has, but it has a lot of the same things that he just talked about, yeah. right? So, oh, uh, so you know, dog spot prevent will help, you know, help it the, to, to reverse it, but help it from happening again, right? So, my, my question is, though, but uh, putting this lime down, I don't know uh, how much uh, you should be putting down. I, there was a couple of eggs I put down. I, I, I have a little fertilizer spreader, hand spreader. Yeah, what I would check also, like you don't need a whole lot, cause you, but what I would suggest you do is get yourself a little, uh, you can do it a home kit, is just get yourself a soil test kit, okay? Yeah. And especially what you want to do is check the pH now. Okay. So what should that pH be? And the pH should be around seven. Okay. Okay. And so, but you need to get distilled by when you, you can get the kits at your, any garden center. Okay. Uh, they're just you can do them at home, but you have to buy some distilled water, and usually you get that from a pharmacy or something like that. Yeah, it's not cheap to get distilled water, and then you, you got to do the test with the distilled water. Don't use tap water. Do your test. Okay. okay, and and then test your pH, and it should be around seven. Because don't forget, if you use a lot of lime, you're also going to lower. You're also going to you're also going to raise the pH of that area, right? And yes. if the pH is too high, you're not going to get great germination. Yes. Okay. Um, is there any type of grass here that's more resilient to to this sort of stuff? Well, there there is some more like more grasses like um, like that are more drought or shade resistant that are more resistant to that. But I mean, you'll get a it's a it's a different grass than if you have it just in the sun area. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Canada number one mix has a lot of Kentucky bunch yeah. of different Kentucky blues in it that do better out in the sun than than the other ones. Or you can use something like a if you want, but it's more of a coarser grass, is like a Western Parks from Early's Farmer Garden Center in Saskatoon as well. Uh, but it's more coarser, so it's a different looking grass, okay? Yeah. Well, it gets lots of sun here, and then like we had that huge rain go through here yep. last week, and, and like I have a sprinkler system. It's a commercial sprinkler system. Yep. So I Just I, I suggest checking the pH of your soil. That's what you need to do, do now, and then figure out what's going on. Okay, guys. Okay. Thank you. All right. Yep. Thanks very much. Take care. Bye bye. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go right now to Regina and talk to Veronica. Hi, Veronica. Thanks for waiting. Thanks. It's Veronica. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Uh, what's your question for us? I have a spaghetti. My spaghetti. My garden is so crazy this year. It's probably one of the best gardens I've had. Amazing. This is the first time I planted spaghetti squash, <laughs> and it is like. Huge! It is like taking over <laughs> half of my garden. Yeah. I love that for you. Now, one of the things that spaghetti squash and squash and pumpkins in general is people don't take into account how big those plants actually get. And that plant can... Usually I plant a zucchini plant and it gets pretty big, but yeah. this one is like insane. <laughs> so what you can do is if you want to take some steaks and you can actually like stake into them so it almost makes a teepee above the plant and then you can kind of grab those vines and kind of twine them around this sort of teepee that you've created and that will help it grow a little bit more vertically for you because that plant can grow 8 to 10 inches wide. 8, eight to 10 inch feet, feet wide. wide. Sorry, I not know, inches. I was reading on it and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> like if I would have known that I probably wouldn't have planted it. But, but you're going to have some amazing fruit that are um, vegetables that you're going to be able to yeah, use. Probably um, some already the size of a cantaloupe. Amazing. I love that for you but growing vertically um, in your yard to save the space is definitely key to success, so planting them near a fence or using yep. a, a bleesk uh, or a bleesk, yeah, putting a bleesk up and things like that to get it go upright. And, and then after that, when it starts growing out, just pinch it off, you know, control it. Yeah, or start okay. winding it up. Okay. Yep. Okay. 
Thank you very much. Yep. No problem. Thanks Enjoy for... that, though. Oh, I will. All right. Take care, everyone. Cutter. Thanks a lot. All You're right. welcome. Bye-bye. one 877 We're going to talk to Ron, who is in Elrose. Hi there, Ron. Hi. How are you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Not too bad at all. Huge fan of your show. I've been listening thanks. for a few thanks. years. Thank you. But I, I haven't figured out why uh, I've got this maple tree in the backyard. Yep. I think it's a maple or some related to it. And the last couple of years, the uh, tips of the leaves are starting to turn brown, and then they'll kind of curl up and drop down. So our deck is completely covered in leaves right now in the beginning of summer. Hmm. And they're turning brown. Are they turning brown, the whole leaf turning brown, or just the edges of the leaf just are turning brown? the edges of it, mostly, yeah. Because usually when you get the edges of, of something, that means that they're getting a, like a burn or something like that. And it, it, you're sure it's a maple, eh? Uh, well, it, it just kind of looks like that, yep. sort of. Like it's got the three three general points, but it's not as shaped like the Canada flag or anything, you know? Um. It yeah. probably would help a lot if I knew exactly what kind of tree it was. Now, but one thing it has, one thing you've we've had we've had a lot with maples. Maples are, are they um, they drink a lot of water, okay? Okay. And so we we've been in a drought. So if you haven't been watering your your trees, uh, and I've noticed that too, you you can get some scorch on the on the on the end of the leaves, okay? Okay. Uh, so you got to remember those, those big trees. I mean, if you're just watering your grass, sometimes that's not enough. And if you're barely watering oh. your grass, then you will get scorch on your leaves. I've even oh, noticed that. Okay. I've even noticed the elm trees, like driving down even some of the old areas of Saskatoon, and seeing a lot of dead tips on a lot of the elm trees. And that's just because we, we're in a drought, and these trees are not because either getting from people's yards or it's getting from underneath the pavement, and they just haven't had enough rain. Just right? not enough rain, so the, the soil under there is just dried out. It's dri- dried out, and, of course, those are big trees, so they suck a lot of moisture, right? Okay. So, so make sure that you put the soaker hose out on, on the areas around the tree and yeah. just, just let it set it to, to slow, right? Yeah. And just let it dribble and soak, deep soak, you know, at least once a month, deep soak your ground. Oh, okay. 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 And, and if you do that, what, if you do that once a month, that's all they need, right? Oh, okay. So, and this would be a little ways away from the base. Like yeah, yeah, not right, trunk. not right at the trunk. Think about the mostly at the drip line of the tree if you can. On, on a big tree, I know it's hard, but do uh, as many of those areas as you can. Oh, okay. And the drip line—that's like where the the canopy or whatever, right? where the where, outer edges of where yeah, the canopy reaches. That's yeah. correct. Excellent. Right on. Okay. Thank you kindly for that. Okay. Yep. Thanks for the call, Ron. Take care. Have a good day. You Bye. too. one 877 We're down to like a minute and a half here. So we're going to go to a text uh, right now. Kathy, hang on. We're going to get your call on as soon as we can. Uh, let's go to this text. Monica in Saskatoon. I have an area of weeds and trying to kill. Roundup has been used, but some weeds continue to grow. I heard that applying a salt solution will kill everything. I don't ever need to plant anything there. Do you think that will work? Can I use water softener salts for the solution? Yeah, salt solution will work, but you will contaminate that soil, right? So you're mm-hmm. not going to be able to plant it in there. And you don't want to leach, you know, especially if it's sloped, it'll it'll move, right? So you want to be careful it doesn't leach down to an area where you do have grass or other kind of plants. Uh, but if they're just trying to keep it, if they're just trying to keep it clean, you may want to also some, some um, like dandelions, don't, Roundup doesn't work that great on dandelions. Yeah. Okay. So you have to use something like you know a weed be gone or something with an iron product, right? And that'll burn them off. And so you can use things like that, or or even Kilex or whatever, or you can just use a a vinegar solution, right? Mix vinegar and water. Uh, yeah. We'd suggest probably hitting it with a bunch of different things, right? Yep. Roundup. Killex, yep. you know, uh, that sort of thing. Yep. And just keep going at it, right? As new ones come yep. up, keep hitting them, keep hitting them, because you'll eventually catch up and yep. take over, right? Well, I'd you'll... probably do vinegar and water before I would do the salt. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. that salt can, can cause other problems. Other problems. Yeah. You yep. don't, you know, it yep. could head towards the lawn. You don't want it to be over there or your neighbor's yep. yard, whatever the case may be, yep. right? Okay. Uh, so we're going to go to the phones first, of course. And waiting the longest is uh, Kathy, who is in Saskatoon. Good morning, Kathy. How are you? Good morning. Really enjoy your show. Thanks. Oh, awesome. Thank Thanks. What's your question for us? Um, I bought freesia bulbs, and I have planted them, and I've even replanted some, and nothing is coming. Is it just our ro- 
wrong area for such a bulb? You might have the wrong area. Also, we've been having some trouble with some bulbs this year of them actually being dried out in the packages too. So you might have got some bad bulbs too. So you can always take those back to the garden center if you haven't got any germination that way too. Um, okay. So when you, you want to make sure that you analyze your bulbs when you first get them. Your bulbs should be um, nice and firm, firm, not squishy. Yeah. But yeah, you, you also should be firm enough that sometimes if you push them, they'll actually almost turn into like a powder and that means they've dried out a little bit too much too, right? So you, you want to make sure you analyze them before you plant them. Um, if you dig into the soil a little bit, you should start seeing a little bit of green coming out of the um, out of the bulb. But freesia is usually a, an early spring one, so you should you should have seen that growing already. So I'm assuming that there was something wrong with the bulb. And also, if you planted them early in the spring, if you really over-watered mm-hmm. them too much, then you can also get a, a, a mold growing in them, and then that just takes them out really quickly. Yeah, when you plant them, I usually will dig the hole, put a little bit of even some sand or some um, some crushed rock in and the some, bottom of the and hole. And some bone meal. And some bone meal, and then backfill around it. Just allows for some extra drainage and those added nutrients. Okay, because I've even went in lately and squished them, and they're mm-hmm. fine, but nothing. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. The bulb's not viable, or maybe if you, is there enough moisture around them then? Um, well, I water them almost every day, and it's very draining soil. Yep. Mm-hmm. But well, I don't know. As long as there's moisture around there, they should start popping. But if they haven't, if they haven't done by now, it's the middle. Yeah, you know, now we're in the middle. The only of July. other thing is soil temperatures. But the soil temperatures are nice and warm we're right nice now, warm, so yes. you're not having to worry. about I think that. you might just had a bad batch of bulbs. Okay, thank you. Okay. All right, thanks, thanks for, for calling. Call, Kathy, okay. take care. Bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Going to Regina right now to talk to Carol. Good morning, Carol. Morning. I have a yellow caterpillar, about four centimeters long. And it's quite stubby, and it's uh, bright yellow, uh, black stripe down the back, and right where it hits the ground, there's two rows of black dots. Yep, that's that's his excrement. He's dro- eating the leaves, and he's dropping droppings. Okay, but what kind of caterpillar? It could have come out of my neighbor's elm trees. Oh yeah, it could be. Yeah, there's there's the caterpillars are out right now in full force. So. Uh, um, so you know what kind of caterpillar it is? No, not really the the caterpillar expert. There's so many different types yeah. of caterpillars, but if they are bugging your plants, there's a few products that you can use to kill the caterpillars. One of them is called BTK if that's it's the, eating them. That's the safest okay. one. And that's the safest one. It's a natural, um, beneficial, actually, that you could spray on them. And it, 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 it basically, it destroys their uh, intestinal system. So yeah. when they eat, they can't eat anymore. And, so, and it only affects caterpillars. caterpillars. It doesn't affect beetles, doesn't affect anything ladybugs, nothing, just caterpillars. With caterpillars, though, in order for them to wreck a tree, they have to be coming back year after year after year. So as long as your tree is healthy, you're fertilizing it, watering it, usually the caterpillars aren't going to kill a tree. Yeah, no, not at all. Thank you. All right, thanks, Carol. Take care. 1-877-332-8255. Going to Round Lake right now to talk to Bill, who's got some lawn issues right now. Hi, Bill. Hi, good morning. I uh, have a really interesting one here. Uh, about four years ago, I started to get uh, ping pong to golf ball sized lumps in my lawn, and uh, and they just started to spread and spread. Uh, I used uh, water. I watered the heck out of it, and it didn't seem to make a difference. Uh, I've used uh, aeration. That didn't make a difference. Uh, um, I've used the weed uh, or the uh, thatch remover. That didn't make a difference. I've used... Uh, that grub uh, stuff that you spray on a wet lawn and then keep it wet for three or four days. I've used two shots of that, and these lumps, they just keep uh, moving and spreading, and I haven't been able to find anybody that can tell me how to get rid of these or what's causing it. Okay, you might have a, if they're, are you just taking like lumps of little, little lumps of dirt and mounds? Is that what they are? Yeah, they're, they, you know, if you push my lawnmower over it, it looks like it's going over the, uh, the bumpy strip before you come to a stop sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what it is, what it sounds like you have like a, basically what's called a dew worm, okay? And it's it's uh, it's it's basically a big earthworm, okay? And then so, but there's no chemical that takes care of them, okay? There is no chemical. The best okay. the best best way to get rid of them, honestly, is put a bird put a bird bath up and attract the robins. Oh, really? Absolutely. Okay. 
Yeah, get, but the robins want to be around somewhere where there's a bird bath or water. And if you can attract the bird, the, the the robins there, they'll take care of your problem. Oh, is that right? Yep. Really? Now, I did happen to uncover an earthworm the other day, yep. or maybe a couple weeks ago. Honestly, it was as big as a snake. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's what's causing that's what's causing your that's what's causing your problems, right? That's a bit creepy, actually. Fishing. Yeah. <laughs> and so and so, what you need to do is that you need to keep the keep your grass moist, okay? Because they're they're going to dry out your your grass quite a bit, and the worms don't like really moist soil, you know, like at all. But also, honestly, put the bird bath out. Attract attract the robins to your yard, and then they'll they'll be splashing and having baths in your water, having a drink, and they'll go down to your grass, and they will uh, they will feed on those worms. What else can you do, Rick, to to attract a robin besides a bird bath? Do you need feed or anything like that? No, no. Okay, just uh, they like water. They like they like having water around. You have any kind of water feature around, you will have robins. Okay, but these things are, if they're that big, are they going to attack a robin? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like nope. the way you think. That's yeah. funny. Yeah, just, just like I said, and, and, you're, and robins don't like really hard, dry soil either, right, when they're, when they're feeding, right? So, because they dig down to get the worms and that. So keep your lawn a bit moister because the worms won't like that. And it'll draw the worms to the surface as well. And then the robins, once you attract them to the yard, they'll take care of it. How long should you be keeping the, the lawn at this point in time? How long? About I, I like keeping the lawn about at least two and a quarter inches long. Okay. Yeah, I, I have been keeping my lawn really long. Yeah. So yep. okay, well, I'll give that a try yep. because sure, nothing else is sure help. <laughs> yeah. No, but there's no. There, honestly, there's no chemical for it. So uh, all the chemicals that we used to use are gone. So. Oh. oh okay. okay. Well, thank you very much. Yep. I'll. Uh, okay. I'll get some bath feeders. Yep. Thanks you for bet. your call. Okay. Take care, Bill. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Let's see, we've got one more call. We're going to get squeeze in before the break here. Paul is with us. Hi, Paul. Hey, how are you guys doing? Not Very too bad. Good. Great, boy. I love these two-hour shows. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks. <laughs> um, it, this, this, what a what a problem that last guy has. Eh? <laughs> Snake-sized worms. Snake-sized worms. Snake-sized yeah. Worms. Yeah. yeah. Um, I. Um, my garden is doing phenomenally this year, but I'm calling for my little sister. She's out in Ontario. She's uh, her potatoes um, have black spots on the leaves. Now, what she's done, like this is the second year she's planted them in the same spot. Yep. She didn't know to move them. Yep. And uh, what she's done is she's cut those leaves off. Yep. So what's going on with uh, her potato plants? Or well, the, you could have a fungal in them. Uh, if it could, it, like I said, the biggest thing for potatoes, honestly, is making sure that you plant in a different location every year. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's key. And uh, she could have a fungal on them. One thing you should watch because if it's it's not going to be early blight or late blight because that would make the whole leaf turn black, not just no, spots. It definitely okay? sounds like it's a fungal, which happens yeah. down in the roots. Yeah. So make sure that bottom line, what she has to do is that she can just trim those off. That's probably the easiest thing to do if you have just a bunch of them with black spots. But but next year, do not plant in the same location. You can also spray on the leaf if she's seen the black spots with the garden fungicide, and that will help it prevent the spores from spreading Spreading, elsewhere. Yeah, and that one you use copper spray. Yeah, a copper or... Yep. Yeah, well, yeah, she she never even told me she was gardening. This is her second year. Yeah. And I said, "Boy, oh boy, I I gave her your I gave her uh, the number yep. for you guys to and to listen, but uh you know, so yep. no good. I'll I'll pass that on to her. Yep. Thank you so much okay. for your time, you guys. Yep. Oh, you bet. Thanks, Paul. Take care. Okay, let's go here. And I don't th- thank you, by the way, if you've been waiting patiently to hear your text get answered. Sorry it takes us a while, but when we get those calls in, we've got to get them on the air right away. This is from Violet in Priestville. Good morning. I have some shrub roses that have a lot of new buds. The buds are getting full and close to opening, but they seem to be getting brown or dry on the ends of the buds. Then they don't open, and they seem to dry up. Yep. This what? happened in my yard this year, too. Did it? Mm-hmm. So- okay. What is what was it, Jill? Well, for me, it was a watering issue. Um, I wasn't watering consistently. Yep. I put drippers in my whole yard, but I forgot to put them on that rosebud. So I had the, the first good flush of flowers, and then the second flush came, and they were getting to the point where they were producing, but then they, the plant was drying out. Yep. And when I poked the soil around it, it was too dry, and then the flowers were just sort of turning yep. brown. But there are some other things that can be causing that too. No, there's a, there's a little, it's almost like a... 
what do you call it now? It's like a rose weevil type of thing. Yeah, there's right? a bug that can be It's a bug. Too. And so what he does is he flies in and he goes to the back of the bud and he drills a hole into the back of the bud where the, where, where the, like where the, where the rose hip would create, right? On the okay. back of the flower. Yep. And he just sucks it dry. And then the rose just doesn't open up or just turns brown and just dries up. Falls off, yeah. And there's there's the problem with them, they come and go. They fly in and fly out. So the best thing to do is uh, just take, take a Mr. Bottle on the back side of the, because the, the, that's where they go, on the back side of the flowers. They're not right on top of the flower, on the back side of the flowers, on the stem. Take a Mr., spray it, and put some diatomaceous earth mm, on mm-hmm. those areas. And then you'll take care of the problem. It'll, okay. it'll stop those because bugs. There's, there's no other spray they can't you can't other sprays you have to actually hit the bug but they're not there when you look, go looking for them right they, they come they come and go they come and go yeah so once you put the diatomaceous earth on there that's gonna they're yeah. not gonna want to be on there they're not gonna, well the gets into their joints yeah. and then get it basically dehydrates them right mm, so, yes okay yep. all right let's go to our next text text sorry uh this is mark in emerald park so that's kind of down by Regina. Uh, good morning. I've got a question about a cedar that the deer had eaten the bottom half off of last winter. So there's some regrowth happening, but I wonder what I can do to help it along. Fertilizer, how much, how often? I was in cedar, in, pardon me, in Emerald Park uh, this spring. The damage is ferocious we in that area. We always had these at the cabin, our cedars would always, and we said, we'd always joke and say that we now have topiary Topiaries, cedars. yeah. yeah we, we pay extra money for those we're, in the we're garden in the bus, We're in the, on, the, on the boat, and we're driving by Thode area, and, and just seeing all the cedars, rows of cedars, yep. and they're all trimmed they're up all seven topiaries. feet tall. Yep, they all, they all, a perfect line. line. <laughs> a perfect, a perfect line. line. And just the top of where the deer can reach you. Everything oh. above that's nice and green. Yep. Oh, yeah. So what can you do? I mean, you can fertilize it and try to get it to come yeah, back. You, you got to start fertilizing about May the tenth, right? Every three weeks, use a thirty ten ten, and uh, in the bigger trees, you're probably going to use about five gallons per per plant. If they're a smaller plant, you know, like three or four feet tall, you're going to use only a couple of gallons. But if they're like if they're twelve, sixteen feet tall, you can do five gallons per plant every three weeks from Mother's Day until around July the fifteenth, because by August first, they've basically they've done the growing. They, yeah, they set their buds for next year, right. and you want to stop them so they can sh- shut down for the winter. Yes, too. so you still right now. I would suggest you give them one last good shot right now. Five gallons if it's a bigger tree. Five gallons per plant. You still got some growth happening with this heat, you know, and 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 keep them moist. And one thing we did do in the winter time um, to prevent it from happening is we would take. Um, some netting and we would wrap the yep. bottom of the cedars about seven to eight feet up the, and the deer are going to come back every year it was snow fence we used actually. you have to wrap them every year mm-hmm. okay yeah you, you, otherwise all that new little growth you're going to get is going to be all nibbled off again this winter <laughs> yeah it's it's either that or you plant something else yeah that they're that they're not going to go yep. after you know Yep. But the deer, like they've they've been eating everything. Yep. Or if you want to keep the top green there, because mm-hmm. you like you need some privacy or whatever, now just plant another plant along the base of them. Shrubs kind along of, the base to right? cover up the cover up the brown part. planting, part. if you will. Yeah. Okay. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Bob says my garden in Saskatoon is doing great, except for the cucumbers in containers. Had lots of blooms, but now the leaves are turning yellow and the flowers are not forming. Yeah. It's it sounds like it's a nutrient issue, yep. especially when you have con- cucumbers in containers. <laughs> There's no nutrients in that soil. You're watering so often it's leaching through. Okay. So make sure you up your fertilizer when you're and, and doing get a, that. And get an organic, yeah. uh, slow-release vegetable fertilizer. Put it on top and then also supplement with a liquid fertilizer on top of that. Mm-hmm. But at least you're, every time you're watering, you're giving a little bit, right? And companion planting with um, different pollinator plants. So marigold, salvia, um, kufia, any of those. You want a, a companion plant with those so that you're attracting those. Because a lot of times with container gardening, we might not have our containers in places where maybe the bees would normally go. The opposite problem for Dana, who's in Weyburn, July 9th, we've already had 34 large cucumbers. Love it. Awesome. <laughs> it's like attack of the killer cucumber, even <laughs> smothered with the tree fluff from next door. They keep producing. Maybe they're a bunny brand, she says. Oh, you'll have to tell us what you're doing so that we can pass and, that and, on. And let people know the variety you use, too. So yeah. but putting, if you have lots of them, too, and you're doing a container, adding a cage or an obelisk or even um, putting some sticks up and having them grow vertically will definitely help you when you're getting a big flush of cucumbers. So like Bob needs to get a hold of Dana because <laughs> Bob's got no cucumbers and Dana's got too many. Dana and Bob, let's connect you. Okay, for sure. Okay, let's go to our phones. We've got uh, Helen who just wants to talk about a rose, I think. So hi there, Helen. How are you? I'm good. What's your okay, question for I've us? I've got a Morden blush that bloomed once and hasn't bloomed since. I gave it 15, 30, 15, but still is not doing anything. Okay, did you deadhead all the old roses that were done? 
Yes, I okay. trimmed it back this spring a bit. Yeah, but now that the did it, it had a flush oh, though, did I guess, you? No, I I took off all the damage. Okay, good. That's important because otherwise it won't rebloom. And so you use a fifteen thirty fifteen, right? Right. So um, what I suggest, so you, uh, what I would suggest now is use a twenty twenty twenty. Okay. Okay, because you have you have enough of the the the, the phosphorus in the soil now because you've you've given it that. Now I want nitrogen for the for the, get the new growth happening. So the nitrogen is the, the first number. First the phosphorus number. is in the middle number in yep. the fertilizer. Okay. How much and how often? Uh, they're do it every three weeks. Okay, uh, up until with the roses, you're going to be doing it till about August first. So you're going to do it two more times. Okay. okay. Also, I planted a campfire rose last summer, yep. which was very nice. I mulched it in the fall. It had green stems in the spring, but then it died off and never came back. Oh, that's that's odd. Yeah, those are yeah. hardy. Did, did you pull back the the mulch in the spring? Oh yes. Okay, good, because otherwise it'll rot the, the the base the base of the of the stems, right? If you leave too much there. No, I didn't because I make a cage around it and fill it with the leaves. The leaves and that. So yeah, you would have pulled all that off of there. Yes, I did. That's odd that it that it came green though, because normally if you get some winter damage, it won't turn green at all. Right? Yeah, no, there was green on the stems, but nothing happened. It just died off after that. Mm-hmm. Did you use dry leaves or wet leaves? Dry, the ones yeah. I raked up in the fall. Yeah. You know, the dry leaves that were. No, the leaves didn't have look like a black spot or fungal on them or anything like that. Hmm. Think so. the, make sure that when you're when you're when you're probing the soil, you know, down six eight inches down to, for the moisture that's in the in the soil. Okay, that's important. So it's not too wet or too dry down there, uh-huh. and because you'll get a lot of times you get the, where the leaves will just all of a sudden be green and just fall off if it's either too wet or too dry, and we get the same symptom on either one. Yeah. So make sure you probe the soil to make sure before you're watering to see whether it needs water or not or needs more water. Okay. Okay. And. 2020? 2020. Okay. Okay. Very good. I'll yep. do that now. Yep. Thanks, Helen. Take care. Uh, this is from Julian Battleford. We had that caller earlier about the uh, ProMix um, fertilizer. How it was granulated and wasn't yep. breaking down. She said, take the diffuser off the end of your watering can, aim for the dirt, not the plant. Swish the watering crowns, watering can so the granules don't settle the bottom. It's what I've done for years. The ProMix fertilizer is a good product, and it's what I've used for forever. So okay, Julie awesome. says it works really good. Yeah. Just keep swishing it around. Yeah, it, it's maybe a bit of a struggle, but yeah. yeah. It, it's true. Like even the miracle Grow, I find, doesn't dissolve 100%. So you have to keep agitated against, you know, to keep it... Yeah. Activated. Uh, Chris Seasons from Saskatoon. The previous owners of our house had thick landscape fabric covered in a few inches of crushed rock along part of our yard. We recently removed it to, to develop the area, and now suckers from the neighbor's 60-foot poplar are popping up everywhere. Yep. Mm-hmm. If I treat them with Roundup, will it kill the original tree? Yes, yeah, because I don't want it falling down and taking out our garage. <laughs> <laughs> so what you do, first of all, then, is you uh, just answer that question real quick. You can dig a trench and cut the roots, right? Yeah, so along your fence along line, fence line is dig a trench yep. down. It's depending on how close there is to the tree, right? Obviously, but cut the roots, and then now you can kill the, the suckers. Right now, you've detached them from the mother plant, and and you probably want to put a vertical barrier when you yeah, dig that you, trench. You dig a trench, yeah. Put a put a even a, a heavy you, duty. You can even take some of that probably landscape fabric that they took left off. over yes. if you still have it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, fold it up, make it double thick, three times thick, whatever, and then put it vertically in the hole, and then fill it in, and the roots can't come through that. If again. you don't have that, you can use some plywood, treated pressure treated plywood. Yeah. You could use, yeah, you could you know whatever you want, yeah. right? Some, can some they plastic. just to keep it down? Can they do the vinegar and burn it, or use the Roundup well, Advance? You'll, you'll be always going at it. Okay. Yeah, it'll so keep coming up. If you can't do that, you're going to be chasing it for a long time. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's called advance. Especially if you decide you want to put lawn there or something like that, you'll yeah. always have those have coming, up. coming up. Yeah, she said right here, once we plant grass in that area, yeah. any tricks or tips to dealing with it? So that's, so that's digging the trench and putting your barrier down. That's your long-term, your long-term solution. Yeah, to prevent it from, because otherwise you'll be dealing with it, with it in the lawn yep. for forever. forever. You don't want that. No, no, no it's not much fun. And she'll be calling us for and, other And issues. that trench has to be minimum 12 inches deep, okay? Okay. Joanna, in Esteban, my formerly beautiful front lawn has been overtaken by weeds this year. I'm going to use Killex with a hose end sprayer. Can I apply Scott's fertilizer right away, or do I have to wait a couple days? Just, just as long as it, it dries and attaches the plant, then you can apply your fertilizer anytime. Yeah, so like kind of later in the same day. Yep. Just just watch with your hose end sprayer. Just be careful. Because when you're putting that much water in that, you're going to get some drift, okay? Yep. And, and, and dead calm is even almost sometimes worse. 
Mm. Okay, because it basically hovers over top of the ground, the fumes, and just sort of drifts over to your flower bed. Okay. Okay. Yep. So you want a little bit of wind, but you don't want it to be blowing everything over out. Okay. Last week, uh, this is from not sure who, but it says, Rick, last week you mentioned two types of cedar trees that I can plant to separate my alley from our front yard. One was the baby bear, and I can't remember the name of the other one, but you mentioned it was quite hardy. We're on the road right now, and we're hoping you can you can remember remind me what that is, so I can have a chance to write it down. Baby bear only grows about six eight feet tall, right? It's eight. smaller. The other one would be homestrup. It grows four feet wide. H O yeah. H O L M yeah. H O L M yeah. Strup Homestrup. yeah. S T R U P yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's that's both narrower and um, and um, and hardy. Jay, and you remember that from working in the tree lot when I you were younger? I do actually. <laughs> that's the weirdest name, but it's stuck in my head. It yes, did. Holmstrup and uh, and and from your dad, Rick, yep. teaching yes. me some stuff when I used to work there. Uh, when is it too late to plant them this year? These cedars. You could, I plant them the sooner the better, so they get rooted. Yep. Uh, once you get later in the season, I suggest wrapping them with the burlap, leaving the burlap six inches off the ground so the snow covers the roots, and then just for the first season. Okay? Okay, perfect. Make sure you water them in well. Yep. This is a great text. Uh, somebody says, I want to put a quick plug in for the annual Lilies in Bloom event happening at the Honeywood Heritage Nursery near Parkside next Sunday, July 16th. Oh, yeah. Yes. If you want a trip, just head down, you know, basically north, kind of north, northwest of Saskatoon, right? Yep. Basically north. Uh, oh, past the Petrovka Bridge, and you can stop in the Petrovka Orchard there and get some cider and everything else. It's a head great, o- it's a great horticulture event. Head over to Parkside, and it's a great drive. It's a beautiful drive. They yep. usually have some unique varieties that you yep. can purchase there. So usually they only take cash. So make sure you bring some cash with and, you. And they got things for kids. They got little garden tractor with you know trailers behind them and they're taking Go kids for rides. They've and sold some great pies in the past. Oh yeah, the pies they, there for they sale. Have amazing music happening and live music. All There's kind of tours stuff. of the whole area, the whole yep. garden center. All these little lots of check fun. out. Yeah, lots of fun. It's great to check out and you nice see drive. The, plant, the plants that the Heritage Nursery they did a nice job and it's all volunteers that did it and it's incredible. So this is again the Lilies in Bloom yep. and it's at the Honeywood Heritage Nursery north of Saskatoon near Parkside. Okay, uh, next text we want to get to here. Let's see, we got time. Yeah, Sharon's in Saskatoon. Good morning. Our neighbors had their lawn sprayed by a company and the insecticide drifted over to our garden and gotten tomato plants, some cucumber plants, beans, and dill. The leaves are all curled up and some smaller plants are laying on the ground. Will they come back and produce or are they a lost cause? Sometimes if you have a little bit of drift and the leaves have curled up, you'll leave it alone. The leaves will probably still do their job. Those leaves won't uncurl or anything else, but now you want to produce more leaves, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. You can do some light pinching and pruning if you want, yep. um, but it should be prob- if the plant is kind of laying flat and looks like it's dead, then you're unfortunately it's yep. it's Got done. Too much, um, you might be able to still grab some transplants from some garden centers that still have some if you need to replant some things, um, but definitely starting from seed, it's too late. Yeah. So if you did lose some plants, you mm-hmm. might be able to get some from garden yep. centers still. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Lorene is in Unity. My cucumbers are just a little bitter. They're called the early Russian variety. Apparently bitterness is caused by stress to the plant. They're getting enough water. Is it the heat? What are your suggestions? It could be heat. It could be nutrients and could be too, not inconsistent watering. Okay. So you think enough watering, but it could be, you know, wet, dry, wet, dry and those kind of things. Right. And then you get that kind of weird, um, either bitterness or even heart, you know, like more of woody, woody type of, uh, of a fruit. Stress is what causes bitterness in the cucumbers. So keeping them consistently watered, making sure you're fertilizing them regularly. I love using an organic fertilizer when I'm using something with lots of micronutrients or even the alfalfa pellets, turning them into a tea and putting them on there. Um, That would be your best bet to get um, nice, sweet cucumbers and not have the bitterness. Because all those micronutrients is what gives you a lot of your taste, right? So Mm -hmm. making sure that you do those kind of things. Let's go to our phone lines. We've got some calls that have rolled in. Ian is in Saskatoon. Uh, He's got aphids and on green ash. Hi there, Ian. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Um, I've got about a 21-foot green ash um, and up, uh, say, the upper third, the leaflets, um, there's a number of them that are completely like there's nothing on them, you know, just the, the short little couple-inch twigs. Yep. And I'm 
down around the base, there is a, a big anthill, and the ants are always going up and down. So I've tried spraying with my hose up on there, but I don't know if that is the issue. And if I'm when I'm spraying, or if, if spraying is the thing to do, what is there anything I should be spraying with if that is the problem? Well, if 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 you um, probably the best if you're going to spray, the probably the best one to use is called Bug X Out. It's pyrethrin. Okay. That's probably the best one to use. But otherwise, you know, some of the garden centers still have things like ladybugs and praying mantis. The praying mantis would clean it up really quickly. Really quickly. So then they're just natural insects. But you can't be doing both. You can't put insects out there and also then also be spraying. Okay. Uh, we have the, the ladybugs that are ready to go if you're wanting to go that route, or else the praying mantis will take about two to three weeks to hatch. Uh, maybe about with the heat now, maybe about two weeks max. Uh, but once they get up there, they're going to clean it clean it up, and then they'll move to another area with bugs right afterwards too. So this praying mantis, um, I, I, what do you do with it? You, they come in a little egg, um, an egg sac. So you just set the egg sac out, um, and it will it will hatch. And they basically they'll go in the yard. They aren't necessarily a hardy bug to Saskatchewan nope, here, they won't so you survive ha- the winter. they won't survive the winter. So you have to replace them every year. But they'll eat everything from um, mealy bug to aphids to spider mite um, to so thrips. Put them, put them at the base of the tree, yeah, uh, and, or uh, hang them right in the tree. Right in the tree. And put oh, and put okay. some and put some little little uh, like a, take margin containers at the lid of them and stick them on the ground and put some water in them too. Uh, those kind of those kind of when you lay, put some insects out, they like having water around too. Like yeah, especially so if you ladybugs. add some ladybugs or some praying mantis, they'll put yep. some little jars of water out so they have some some places to grab some water at the same time. Okay, so I had a like a four or five foot black plastic you know ring that you put in the ground to stop grass. Mm-hmm. I had put it around the tree, and I didn't get a chance to get it dug in like room. So, in the course of time, the ants had built a, a little like a mound with that thing being kind of like a wall. So now I've removed it. So to get rid of the ants, um, if I take my four foot rebar, Rick, and, yep. and push you know make a bunch of holes like push down into the ground. Yep. Um, and then, A, will that hurt the roots of the tree? And B, what can I, is, is there a, a foam? Is there an ant be gone foam or something yep. that I can spray down into the hole? Well, the, the, the best, honestly, the best way to do it is you soak that area really well first, you know? And use and, the nematodes. And use the nematodes. It's another little insect that goes after and takes care of the whole colony. Okay, thank you. Okay. All right, thanks yep. a lot. Take yep. care, Ian. Uh, we've got, going to go to Hazelmore right now to talk to Grant, who's on the line. Hi there, Grant. Yeah, how are you today? Pretty good. Very good. What's your question for us? Oh, it's what do I do for killing cactus in the lawn or in a in the grass? Cactus in the grass. You have some wild cactus there. The only thing you can really do to kill that is is you could pick it, and it's it's a hard one to do because they're so so pokey and and thorny. So, um, what I find the best way is take some cardboard or some newspaper and wrap it around there, and then pull it up from the base. They don't have much of a root system, so they come out very easily. Mm-hmm. But you you do have to get them right from the bottom and pull them up that way. But I'm talking about an acre. Oh, jeez. Oh. You got to get hire some children. <laughs> <laughs> Got any grandkids or grand? Yeah. You can borrow my children to come do that. Yeah, because definitely you, you wouldn't want to use a chemical because those dead cactuses are worse than the live ones to walk oh, around. Yeah. Well, we've got gophers and grasshoppers and drought out here, so yeah, and lots of fun. And cactus because they like to the, the dry, right? They so like yeah, the dry. That, Favor to them. Yeah, yeah that, that's the top. The, honestly, the only way you can do it is by take a den, take a dandelion fork, you know, and go mm-hmm. and, and pull them up, pinch them up, and then get a bucket okay. and throw them in the bucket. Yeah. Okay. I thank you very much. Okay. All right. Yeah. Take care, Grant. Thanks. Bye bye. Sounds like Grant's got a desert landscape. You know, he's just kind of kind of go with he's it. So grow on the, trend. Grow the cactuses and, you know. Yeah. And Add some speculants and some sedums and you'll be Basically, set. in those type of situations, you do like they do down in Palm Springs. Just forget about the grass and make yourself a dry land type Zero of landscape. Escape. Zero yeah, escaping, Zero right? Yeah, kind of, yeah. Yep. Okay, back to the text line. one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Let's see if we can get more of this answered. We talked about that. Where am I going here? Okay, um... I have, this is from Tim, I have these worms as well, sorry, oh, I I have those worms as well. This is a response, remember we had that question about the big fat worms. Uh, He says, I use the power rake and it helps really well with that. Okay. Okay. So that's just a response from somebody who's 
responding to our yep. our guy with all the big snake-sized worms crawling around. Uh, this is David in Regina. Love your show, he says. We have a four lily plants. The stems have been chewed completely through at the ground level. Any thoughts on what's chewing them and how to prevent it from happening again? Okay, the lily plants, you have the lily beetle, okay? Mm, and okay. so they're an orange beetle on the backside of leaves, and they'll have little lines of orange uh eggs as well so one thing with that somebody was telling me about is they actually take a lint roller yep. in the early spring and they go to the underside of the leaves with the lint roller and the tape sticks sticks oh, to the eggs, eggs and that's an easy way that you can do it too there so go. there you go there's a fun yeah fun otherwise you have a little pail and you just pick them take your fingernail and just mix, knock them into a pail there's or little like that. orange eggs little orange you can't miss them Mm-mm. okay perfect uh this is patsy from swift current we, can we prune a damaged branches of spruce and pine trees right now? If they're damaged, not a problem. And spruce trees, you can start pruning now anyway, so it's not a problem. And maples and birches. If people have maples and birches, now is the time to prune them. Not, not in the fall or not time. in the spring. You want to do it now because the, the saps aren't running big time when I'm mm-hmm. right okay. now. Jeanette is a south in that part of the province, south CP. Not sure what that means, but I have collected a few different varieties of fertilizer. 10, 10, 10, 15, 30, 15, 24, 8, 16. Can you give me a refresher? I also have a 28, 14, 14 rose and shrub, supposedly. Yep. 18, 18, 21 uh, tomato and vegetable and alfalfa pellets. <laughs> what can I use? on my perennials on your perennials uh you could use i think the the, the first numbers the ones you said on so 10 10 10 10 10 10 those ones there the the, the 28 20, 14, 20 24 8 16 yeah 8, 24 8 16 that one would be okay on your annuals yeah, it was be, just yeah, gonna that'd, be, good that'd be great for like the new growth but keep them so they're not stretching but also have some good finishing but in you it. had a 28 10 10 to us as well mm-hmm. right 28 or, 14 14 yeah, that's, rose that's, and shrub. that's the same as like the 30 10 10 that i talk about oh okay that'd yeah. be very almost exactly so you said on your trees and shrubs. on your trees and shrubs yeah and okay. then your alfalfa pellets of course are great for anything, anything. your house plants um, making it into a tea and putting it on your garden as well yeah. okay I'll squeeze the last couple in here. Kyle from Regina. My peas turned brown this year, got very little crop. The bottom leaves of my corn are also turning yellow. What's going on? Yeah, water issue again. Water, if it's yellow on the bottom, then you either too wet or too dry. Most likely right now, it's just too dry. Okay, so just okay. keep the water going, get moist. Wa- get the water going, even. and then with all that watering, you still need to fertilize. The corn The corn is heavy feeders, like big-time heavy feeders. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you need to you need to put the fertilizer to them. It can also be overwatering with the peas too, yeah, turning right. brown. So make sure you're checking that too. And, um, with the corn as well, those under leaves will turn if they've got too much nitrogen in the soil as well too. So you, watch see that. The, you'll see the peas. If you're overwatering, you'll get powdery mildew on the peas very quickly. So mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he says, by the way, you guys are gardening rock stars. My wife and I love you. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> we great. love you too. Uh, this is, is that the last one? Uh, this is Eunice in Saskatoon. Can I put groundkeeper fertilizer on my cedars? Yep. Can I just sprinkle it on the roots and water yep. them? Yep, I did. I do that myself with a lot of my plants. Okay, she's got a yep. fence barrier in her backyard. That's the pyramid sul- cedars need a bit of a boost. The biggest key with that one is sulfur, and it's not a high nitrogen. It's only 16, so yeah, I use it on my plants as well. Okay, perfect. I think that's just about it for our texts. One, uh, one thing I wanted to just remind people about right yeah, now sure. also is that right now all the societies are having their garden tours. Like in Saskatoon, you have the passport okay. tour and the Saskatchewan horticulture garden tours, and Regina has garden tours. A lot of the, the tours are on right now, and the tickets are on sale right now. So go and check out these beautiful yeah. hidden oases that are in your towns. And what and I love is a lot of times the money goes towards the societies, but it also they have a charity that they usually yeah. choose mm-hmm. as well. So it's a great way to get involved with your community and get yep. gardening. Exactly. Garden tours. Check in your area. Thanks for joining us this weekend. Uh, have a great Sunday. Enjoy the rest your day off and we'll see you same time same place next weekend have fun see you sunday i'm jay with jill and rick you've been listening to garden talk on 980 cjme and 650 ckom